Welcome to Read, Eat, Repeat. I'm, I'm Sally Kaloran and I'm with... Alyssa Warren. Me. And we are chatting about books and cooks. Yeah, I love doing this. It's been a little while between podcasts, Sal. It has. Been a little bit busy, bit of summer, bit of kids. Wrapping up work last year, I think we were all sort of it's snowed under but it's so good it's so good and we're going to be back in your ears monthly just with a wrap-up of the books that we've read and the recipes that we have loved cooking yeah or actually the just that our kids have eaten yes well sometimes they're not maybe just (laughs) i've eaten it (laughs) so true i saw a really good instagram account actually if i'm meaning to tell you um i'll find out the handle and i'll put it in the little um additional notes but it was something like Which we bake never do, actually. We yeah, never do I that. will this time. I will. I, it's called like bake, bake at home or baked books or something. Oh, yeah. And it's this oh. lady. I thought, oh, maybe it's the same kind of thing that we've been doing. And it's this lady who actually bakes a replica of the cover of books. Yeah, it was Whoa, quite cool. That's amazing. What a cool concept. Imagine if she did the cover of the book that I'm <laughs> holding up. Well, speaking of, why don't you kick off and tell me your best books this month or okay. the last couple of months really. So what we're actually doing is we've got a Insta handle, read, eat, repeat, and any book that we have read we review mm. and then the podcast is just about talking about the ones that we've really loved mm. or that has got us thinking. So my, Like we're not going to talk about any – if we didn't really no, like it, let's not even bother. No, we're not even okay. going to. Yeah. We uh, so I read Holly Ringland's second book, which she's, she's an Australian author, and her first book was called The Lost Flowers of Alice Hart. Oh, I remember you read that. Oh God, really I loved it. that book. I loved it. But it you was, said it was quite deep and a bit dark. It was very deep. So it starts off in the eyes of a child. It's kind of like um, Sophie Laguna writes like that. Oh, so yes. the eye of the sheep and the mm, choke mm. and infinite splendors, which we've also reviewed mm. on this podcast earlier. Mm. Uh, anyway, The Lost Flowers of Alice Hart was just such an amazing story. It's a lot about domestic violence mm. uh, through the generations and I absolutely loved it. This book is a much more – so it's called The Seven Skins of Esther Wilding. It's a much more literary and considered novel. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of symbolism. There's lots of an Indigenous culture in it, which I loved. They do this amazing ceremony with um, shells. And it's in Australia, but it's also in Holland, in Amsterdam. Mm. And it's a fantastic book, but it was at one of those things where the main, the premise of the story is that Esther's sister, Aura, walks into the ocean. She takes off her clothes. Oh, no, she walks into the ocean and she's never seen again. So oh. there's a lot of grief involved right. in that. Like Harold Holt. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> a bit like that. But it's presumed that mm. she has killed herself Mm. anyway then esther is trying to scramble to kind of work out why what's happened Mm. and the thing that i couldn't relate to is esther and her sister and her mom so that kind of triangle of relationship it was so bizarre to me that i couldn't relate to it all like they had complete separate lives away from each other and they shared secrets like they held secrets that they didn't divulge to your sister or your mum and I was just like "Eh, that's not how sisters work right okay so you sort of saw through the yeah like I tell my sister if I fart in public (laughs) like you do have quite a lovely triangle yeah because your dad's not here anymore maybe that's quite strengthened I think so and actually the dad does play a big role but it's the sibling 
like she has this terrible relationship with her mum that I was just like, right. I just don't understand it. And maybe it's because of that. The other thing is she really irritated me. Oh, that's so hard I when know. the main character is irritating. Yeah. And Tully. We've, we've Tully. always said that oh, when we've read a Tully. book. There's even yeah, a dog she... that I <laughs> meet at the park called Tully and I don't even like What's the dog. Who wrote that book? What's her name? Um, Paulina Simons. Yeah. yeah. Is that her? Yeah, author of The Bronze yeah, Horseman. Yeah. But The Bronze Horseman was amazing. Yeah. But yes, right. So you didn't like the main I character. I loved the book. I didn't love the main character and I thought the story was flawed. How many star? Uh, three. Hmm. Still pretty good. Yeah. Did you like the setting? It sounds like it was a beautifully written book. It was a beautifully written book, and I love the symbolism. There's a lot of symbolism with animals, so mm. seals and swans, and um, like there's this amazing scene that I sobbed through because she also she always thought of Aura as a um, seal, and she was a swan. Oh, Esther was. Wow. And then this swan commits suicide into her windscreen. Oh. Oh, and it is absolutely heartbreaking and so beautifully written so that got me over the line even though I felt like the story would let you let let it down well let me down yeah but I'm sure other people have loved it it's on the best-selling list yeah I have seen it around a lot yeah and fabulous in fact when I was researching for this even though it looks like it sounds like I haven't done any research at all for it um the Lost Flowers of Alice Hart has been turned into a Prime oh. series, oh. a series on Prime um, starring Sigourney Weaver. Oh. I think that comes out this year. Oh, so wow. we'll definitely be watching that. Oh, yeah. But, yeah, why don't you take it and read it? And yeah. I'd love to know what you think. I'd I love like to, to read know this. what our listeners think as well, if there are any listeners. Yeah. Hi, Mum. <laughs> Alyssa just said um, this podcast mom. is for <laughs> below six and above 60. <laughs> Because they're the only people that have time to listen to it. So shout out to our friend Jen's daughter Abby who yeah, listens to this when course. she goes to sleep. I think it puts Beautiful her to sleep. Abby. Oh, good. Yeah. Good night. <laughs> Tell me about your recommendation because you recommended this book to me and then I went and listened to it on audiobook. Oh, that's right. And it's you one did. of the best. Isn't it one it's of the best It's actually the best thing I've ever listened it's to. It's a bit embarrassing. I feel like I would love to be recommending a really highbrow book but – it's The Palace Papers by Tina Brown. Really, really enjoyed it. I whipped through this over the summer. It's quite a big book to carry around. So I'm, I start off with that feeling a little bit uncomfortable because I don't like carrying big books around. That's a drawback for me from the beginning. Yeah, but, but you could listen to it. Yeah, well, and you did. Yeah. What's the author like when she's, she's American, right? Yeah, so yeah. it is Tina Brown. Yeah. It is hilarious. In fact, I couldn't stop laughing sometimes because she does voices yeah. for like the Queen right. and especially Prince Charles. Yeah. Which would be funny listening it to, to it from her because she sounds very American. I'm pretty sure she was the editor at Vanity Fair. Yeah, and she was. She's ha- held some she's really She's got a beautiful senior. accent though. It's not American. like – It's but not even overly American. Culturally, when you're reading the book, you can tell someone from England hasn't written it because oh, okay. there's so much – in the book where you're like, oh, that's laughable or weird and you would only really understand that through the lens of someone who doesn't live that life. Yeah. Um, anyway, really enjoyed it. She goes through on the front cover of the book uh, is Camilla, the Queen, Kate and Megan. And the, see, that's the other thing, right? You can yeah. read this book and be really tired and you don't have to remember the characters because you know you them. You know them, exactly. It's so you're not like, hang on, sorry, Camilla's – Great grandmother also had an affair with Charles's great grandmother, and who were they? Well, we know. 
It's quite an easy read. I know. So it sort of tracks through those four women at different parts and it ties them together. There's a great sort of recap of the Queen and her relationship with her sister um, and that really beautiful, that beautiful relationship. In fact, I just watched a great doco on Netflix called The Queen and Me or Margaret and Elizabeth. You, oh. You'll see it on Netflix, I'm sure, well, if you Margaret, just look up something it? like that. It was an awesome kind of yeah, character. Yeah, it's really she? great. I actually watched it with my daughters who are um, like 10 and 9 and they really liked it as well around the time when the Queen died and there was a lot of – that was oh, a lot of the chat okay. at, the, at that time. So she, it talks about that in a little bit more detail and how she's quite thrifty compared to her mother, the um, Queen, Queen Mum yeah. and Charles. They love the finer things in life and they love being in the, the – highest and most upper class people whereas the queen would walk around with all of her jackets and jumpers on and not turn on the heaters they came from that time during the war and the great depression and she did seem like uh although she was the queen and there was that huge divide between her and the people of course they were her subjects she also does have that warmth about her where she knows to save the heating bill and pop on a jumper i I quite liked that so did i and because prince uh, Philip was also yes thrifty, thrifty. Yeah. but interestingly because the Queen Mother had such an impact on bringing up Charles mm. and I just um, a lot of people have said because I've described this to them and they've said that how do you know it's true but it is yes. it's been by verified by yes. so many people yes and even um, I've listened to spare Harry, Prince Harry's um, Memoir after this, well, I'm oh, like, did you? Oh, okay. Did you re listen to the whole thing? I couldn't, sure, yeah, I couldn't mm, do it. I think I'd feel the same. But his experience is exactly what Tina Brown has already spelled yeah. out for us. Like, you she can gets feel the it. dynamics of the relationships so right, and you actually can identify with them because you're like, oh, that's mm, why. that's why that happened, like, or that's Prince why Charles they were at that so thing. Weird or... Because he's the the queen, his mum didn't spend she wasn't around. Christmas with him yeah. until he was five years old. And then how she tried to sort of, I guess you're making up for it, having her, those other two children later on. Yeah. Andrew and who, what's who his name? favourite. Yeah. Edward. Edward. Yeah. And then um, it tracks through, say, Camilla and about all those different um, ways that she negotiated that relationship with Charles in that they were obviously really in love, but that was a real challenge for both of them. And then they finally came together, which was sort of seen through the crown a bit. But this really probes into that and how, like, she couldn't have a job. But then she split up from her husband and so she had no money. But Charles doesn't – they don't have cash. Also the role of the mistress in the royal family. Yeah. Like, they all have one. Yes, it's so bizarre. And then they talked about how she would host parties at her house and because she didn't have any money, when they came in to, like, lay out the table, she'd go, oh, can you just buy a new table and can you buy some new chairs? And that's sort of how she ended up finally, um, I guess, um, paying for all those expenses in a real roundabout way. I'd oh. be so jack of that after a month. Oh, and she sat at home through the whole when Diana died for like eight months. She couldn't leave her house and oh. she's got quite a close family and sibling network, which but then I wonder is, if it's worth it. Like sure she's gonna well, she's, she's a queen love. consort. But maybe Charles is like I reckon I would sack. I doubt it. I doubt it too. Like, Maybe he just leaves her alone. There is any sack potential from him. (laughs) He is not giving me any of those vibes. He's all like, oh, bloody, bloody pen. My bloody pen. Oh. 
<laughs> and the way Tita Brown um, enunciates his character is so oh, funny, especially that. how funny. Like he has the conversation, like he's such so whingy. Whingy. And you really feel it in the book. There's some yeah. lovely takeout, like quite chunky quotes in there that are quite funny when you read it. You're like, this bloke, what about him? Yeah. Um, so she talk, She does a lot of that kind of probing. In fact, one thing I loved about Camilla is, in, that she mentions mm. in there is that her mum used to bring her down as a child to talk with the neighbours and – She'd be like, Mum, with her sister, and they'd be like, why do we have to talk to the neighbours? I want to go and play. And she would say, you're going to be an expert in small talk because if you're going to move in these circles, you have to be able to be really good at talking about the weather and some sport and, Horses. I don't know, shooting shit. Yeah, it's quite an – isn't that fascinating that that's yeah. what you've got to be good at? Yeah. Um, and apparently now to this day when people have a dinner party with royals, they always want to sit near – Camilla, oh, because she's great at the easy chat. to talk to. And then they did, of course, went into Kate, how that's quite orchestrated and her mum was quite key in manipulating so that. about that, even manipulating her to have a gap year, even yeah, though she was in everything. the best uni in, oh, at Edinburgh. Yeah. And then she went to do a lesser-known course at a lesser-known uni Wasn't and had that. a year off so that, that they amazing? would meet. And I thought, oh, all these things were just fluky and nothing about them meeting was a fluke. No, nothing. And then you understand when it moves into Megan how you understand where she's at because you get all this great background. She's such an outsider. Yeah. Just even being American is such a disadvantage. I used to think that I would meet William and he'd fall in love with me and I'd be royal. Yeah. Well, you know, as a tiny kid. But now I'm like, that would never have happened. Also, that has been ruined. Miserable. What a I miserable mean, life. Why oh. would they? The one thing that I was fascinated with is the picture that was painted of Diana because you have such a rosy, mm. um, tinted yeah, image of her. Yeah. Because I've, I've always loved her so much. Yes. What about with the smuggling men into the palace yeah. when she was still married yeah. to Charles and things? Yeah. And, having the affair with William's friend's dad. Yeah. And, and what about how she'd have men. interviews with journos and take William along so they wouldn't probe her on yeah. a lot of the deep, dark stuff she didn't want to talk about. So she brought her kid along as, I don't know, I guess armour. I think that's it's yeah. a lot of pretty screwed up. I mean, everything, everything, like the media, the way the family ran her, like just the whole thing, the whole show is... But it's not in flawed. anyone's favour unless you are the heir mm. or on the throne. But even then, it's not really working out. Well, like, it's so yeah, boring. I mean, and they have their schedule for two years in advance. Oh. So, like, there is no, oh, I'll just go meet up with you, Liz, yeah, for a coffee. For, yeah. It's like. Go for a little run in the morning. You'd have to get ready. Hair and makeup, put yeah, on a coat. It is. Stockings. Two years. Like, there's no um, impulse. Yeah. I would, I'd be terrible. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you would be the worst royal. Worst royal. Can you I'd imagine? I'd say the C word yeah, way too much. You would definitely. And you'd laugh too much. Royals don't. Like, you'd be like, whoa. And they'd be going, oh. Um, tell, tell the family jewels secrets. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you'd find out some info about Charles, his jewels. Oh. Hey, you know what? Can I tell you about a, fa- um, a good royal nice. story? My daughter Maeve, who's mm. 10, just um, at, in September wrote a letter to Charles. King, really? King oh, Charles, bless her. Of saying, she did. Saying uh, to, she looked up how to address him, like to your honour the king or something. Um, 
I'm really sorry to hear about, yeah, your honourable majesty. That's something like that. Anyway, um, I'm really sorry to hear about your mum. Um, she must have been a really nice lady. We watched a TV show about her and something. Um, have a good life, basically. Like, oh, I can't wait That's to go to so London cute. and see the palace for myself. Um, best wishes in, on being a good king. Maeve, Aww. right? He wrote back. <gasps> yeah. He uh, did. When well, we got a card. With, a, with yeah. his bloody pen. Um, <laughs> did he use an ink pen? It's not inky. <laughs> <laughs> it's a biro. It was biro. It was just a, it was a lovely card with a picture of him and his mum. Oh, and so um, Not an original photo. It was a copy. <laughs> And then it says something like, um, "Did thank he handwrite so- it?" No, no, it was quite it was beautiful, printed. actually. Oh my you gosh! Can, can tell we put that, that on he, our Instagram? Yeah, you can tell that he had. They were definitely his words. I would say. Um, yeah, here I've got it. I'll oh, read it I to love you. It that. says. It was so very kind of you to send me such a wonderfully generous message following the death of my beloved mother. Your most thoughtful words are enormously comforting and I cannot tell you how deeply they are appreciated at this time of immense sorrow. Charles R on the end. Yeah. That is awesome. It's pretty cool. I now love Charles. Charles is my favourite royal. (laughs) (laughs) He wrote a letter to me. He can do no wrong. Oh. (laughs) Love him. Love him. <laughs> Love him and his sack. Oh, God. Okay. Um, gonna, what else is going on in your book world? I read another wonderful book that actually um, I think of her as a friend. But Gosh, this looks like your other book, The Flowers oh, on yeah, Covers I of I do books love Flowers be. on Colours. Is that? And long titles. Oh, no, that's not a long title. But so it's called it's The Marriage be, Portrait. That must be what people are buying. Yeah, busy covers. Yeah, and like colour, vibrant. But it is also relevant to the books. Oh. So... Like um, nature and art mm. play a, a significant roles in roles in both the books I'm talking about. So Maggie O'Farrell, I think she's an English author, but this was a fascinating story because I love art and I love history. Mm. Um, I, at uni I studied art history. Did you know that? No, oh, you're so smart. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, I don't think that is a very <laughs> smart choice, to be honest. As in, what career do you want? Um, I'll just read stuff. Yeah. I'll just do a podcast I'll with just, my friend. I'll just look at Do you know what I'll I just saw? Go to bar, art galleries um, and not talk. somewhere like, is it called The Cut? It's like a New York yeah. Times sort of oh, yeah. sub thing. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah, I know I that one. That. I'm so smart too. And it said something like, no one's doing English majors anymore. Oh, it's a dying. Yeah. Same. I did anyway. a double major in English and oh, art history. Wow. Ah, yeah. Career? I did English and Zero. like society and culture, so oh, sociology. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Um, and media. Mm, so, and media, yeah. yeah. Anyway, and here we are. So anyway, <laughs> the marriage portrait, it's set in the 15, 1560. Oh. <laughs> Jeez, you love diving deep on it. I do. Mm, historical. Um, but it's the story of Lucrezia de Cosimo de Medici. I feel like I should have said that in an Italian accent. <laughs> You're going to cough on you. <laughs> to Medici. Sorry, I was drinking. Um, so it's set in Florence. Yes. Uh, and Firenze. Firenze. <laughs> and so it's a story. So this little 15-year-old, tiny little baby, married this disgusting guy called Alfonso who's the Duke of Ferrara, which is the area around Firenze. Yeah. And... Um, <laughs> Anyway, 15, married this dirty old man who was actually engaged to her sister, but her sister unfortunately died. So then he's like, oh, well, I'll take her. Next one. 
And it's this beautiful story about how the nanny covered her up because she was actually 12 when she was betrothed and the minute that she got her period, she was allowed to be married off. Oh, it's terrible. Anyway, in history, less than a year after the marriage, she she had died Mm. and it was suspected that he had killed her. Uh, anyway, this is, is this a, all revealed at the very beginning, mm, and then the rest of the book yeah. un, it unfolds. Yes, yeah, yeah right. it is. I'm not giving anything yeah. away. So this it's a story about that, and basically he um, commissions this marriage portrait of her, and it's about this through the mainly through the eyes of this um, 15 year old who grows up in this marriage, mm. and she's really perceptive and she's really cluey. And um, it's a mystery and there's lots of intrigue in it and because you're wondering all roads are leading to her being killed. Mm. And so you're sitting there going, please stop tight, please stop tight. Anyway, it's really great. I loved it. I can't tell you that. Mm. I didn't like the ending but Mm. that's not telling you that. Mm. Yeah, but I would read it. It's actually... So it's a new novel from the author of Hamnet, which I haven't read, which I will read. But I absolutely love that book. I read it in like a day. Mm. It was one of those books that you can't put down. Wow. Yeah. I tell you what, I, I read, read in, a in a day. I read it in like two weeks. Oh, yeah. But that's a day in yeah. the life of. Um, I tell you what, I read in almost a day The Paper Palace. Different to the oh. book I just talked about. Both have exactly Very the same confusing. three words. <laughs> Um, I've heard so many people talk about this yeah, book. Yeah, I've heard it reviewed so many times and I had seen it so many places and I was at the airport and I needed a book that I could just flick through and I really wanted to, yeah, have a great summer beach read and I picked up this. It was good. Was I it? I don't know. Was it amazing? How many stars would you give it? Um, I've got it next to you know, to my bed. I feel like the further I get from the book, the less the stars are. Yeah, right. You know, sometimes you look back on books, you're like, that was a great book. Maybe it was a moment in time of your life or whatever it might have been. But this was, it was all right. Basically, she's got a husband and then she rekindles something with a um, childhood romance kind of figure. And is the book about the fallout or about the affair? It's about like, do I go with him or do I go with him? That's the book. Oh, yeah, so right. you kind of, I guess, wherever you sit, and that's what a and lot of the like reviews the are. That I, yeah, yeah, yeah. She's, yeah. I, I think you, you do like her, but it's more about a moralistic decision and values as to which person do you oh, think okay. she should go with. Do you stick with this husband that has been loyal to you and loving, and you have a family together, or do you go and have a hot fling and end up with this childhood love who perhaps has been in your heart? For various reasons over the course of time, who do you go with? What would you do? Oh, I don't um, – what would I do? Well, see, I liked one character in particular throughout the book and I would say it was the mar- the guy that she was married to. Yeah. He's quite charming and lovely oh, and – He's the dad, the father yeah. of the children. But the other the, – uh, the childhood romance, they had been through this sort of traumatic event together and so they were really bound by that. So yeah. as a reader, you could appreciate the relationship that they had had. Mm. Um, oh, I, I think I will she ends up with. Yeah. Yeah, there's one quite saucy sex scene at the beginning and I was like, oh, is this what this book's going to be? Like um, Hoover, what's her name? Oh, Colleen. Colleen Hoover. 
But it wasn't like that. There was really just a couple. So if that's why you're reading it, oh, probably don't. Oh, my God, that's <laughs> funny because I remember now one of my friends, Lisa, said she was reading it on a bus with her mother-in-law and her sister-in-law. Oh, yeah. But her mother-in-law had given her the book to read and oh, she was there in the yes, first few pages weird. going, <gasps> we've both read the same pages. Yeah, but, oh, yeah. <laughs> but then she said, now nah, then she worked out why, Mum. Yeah. Um, What's this one? My life in full. This is left of field. (laughs) Big time. (laughs) I I just read this because I was on Instagram and saw, you know, Masterclass? Yes. Yeah, we'll get a million of ads of them now. But they pop up all the time and it's like... They how to be a master anymore. at cleaning your cupboard. How to be a master at negotiation, you know. Uh, how you get the, Yeah, everything, right? Like they're now critical like, thinking. Yeah, they're covering everything. So this woman came up and she was talking about, um, I don't know why this appeals to me because it's got absolutely nothing to do with my life, but she was like how to um, run a really successful business oh. and be a great businesswoman and leader and thinker. And it was this lady called Indra Nui who, if you know anything about that sort of business world, she was very successful um, woman from India who then moved to the US and became the CEO of Pepsi, PepsiCo, oh, the whole okay. group. Um, and it basically goes through her very early life and how she ended up with the general principles that she has about life and then how that rolled out through her career. It's a really interesting book is in it, that. Is, hmm? is, is it very businessy? Um, no, there are a lot of, there's a quite a bit of jargon that I didn't know. And now you just read through it and get the gist. Like um, Coca-Cola. Yeah. Some people would, oh, just different conglomerates that I oh, don't know okay. what, how high up, like my toothpaste, I don't know, some big fancy company would own that. I don't know who it is. Oh, so she yeah. does talk about those parent companies, which I'm not really across, but you get the idea. Um, she does make some really great references about her culture and being, Um, what she says is a black woman and how she has made really great relationships with other women and people of different races throughout her life and how that's helped and hindered her and the people that have supported her. She makes this great analogy, um, Sal, she says... Um, I believe in the American story because it's my story. As a CEO, I once sat in the 18th century wood-panelled dining room at Chequers, the British Prime Minister's country manor, and was asked why I had immigrated 30 years earlier to the US and not the UK. She responds, because, Mr Prime Minister, I wouldn't be sitting here lunching with you if I'd come to the UK. Wow. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. That's so true. Yeah. Um, she really she loves. She might be sitting with the Queen, though. Maybe. She loves America. She does talk about that quite a lot. Um, she talks, you get a real sense in this book that she's really great at her job. She knows she's great at her job. She's full on intense and passionate about work. So there's no impulse through work. No, but she has a real, uh, is it guilt um, around not being there for her family and her two daughters? Mm. Her mum basically, for a lot of it, comes and lives with them and supports her. And um, is she married or does yeah. she have a partner? Yeah, and her husband has a job too but it falls to him. Yeah. He's the sort of at-home guy. Her girls are now much older and she does talk about, uh, I do think, do they look back and think, was I a great mother? Pro- they probably would say no. Which I think... But then they might. They might go, yeah, she's amazing. Look at what she's achieved. Yeah, and she says that. She says towards the end of the book that um, 
at one point she says she's going to quit and one of her daughters says, you can't quit. You've worked so hard, dream big mum. And she had said that she was so proud of her as now being the CEO. And she would say that her husband says, your list is always PepsiCo, PepsiCo, PepsiCo. And then your kids, as if they were only her kids. Then your mother, then at the bottom there's me. And she says my joking response was, at least you're on the list. (laughs) (laughs) So there was, there's a bit of that. Um, She does have that real guilt. You sense that. Um, Yeah. Yeah. But would you recommend her memoir? I think I would. If you're into, um, especially if you're female in the workforce, she makes really good analogies about childcare and the balance and how it's a full-time job working and it's a full-time job being a mum and it's a full-time job doing your life and how the balance is not non-existent. Yeah. Um, and I found that quite interesting. Does she um, talk at all about like sustainability? and? Yeah, so her big thing while she was at Pepsi was called something about purpose like product to purpose and she talks about how when you're in a role in a job you should have some kind of idea about what your goal and aim is so for me at that time she says it was about creating a sustainable business that changed the environment which was quite insightful for 10 years ago Mm. um yeah so she very much talks about purpose and environment during her tenure. I wonder like the global impact of all those plastic bottles yeah. in the yes. oceans. She talks about that and then she blows her own horn a bit and says, oh, well, I was there, it went down this much and X much. Like there is a bit of that. In fact, I recommend it to a friend who works at PepsiCo in Australia and I said there were times where I thought maybe she was like a bit on herself but would I think that if she was a man? I don't think so. Yeah. I think it's because, I don't know, maybe you just think that about women a bit more that you don't expect them to be gloating but she has every right to good honor it's a really good book it's an easy read yeah uh it didn't take me long it took me about a week um maybe two it was it's an easy read at night um how many stars would you give it um well it depends if you're into sort of business and leadership books i'd give it like a three or four oh good Um, I don't think I'd go back and read it. It's the kind of book I'd just pass on. Yeah, because it's interesting. But it's not something I'd need to reference throughout my life. Yeah, it was a bit interesting. Can I tell you one last book that I read that is interesting? Yes. Are we blowing out of time? Uh, We're up to 30. Um, Stolen Focus, Why You Can't Pay Attention. I have that book on my my shelf. Did you? And you can't focus to finish it. can't focus to read it. I feel under too much pressure to focus. And then I go, oh, 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 can't do it, can't do it. Look. I have listened to some podcasts where people talk about it though. Oh, well, that's exactly the problem that they talk about. <laughs> so literally this book, I found this book really interesting. I bought it in this hippie shop that I found out in regional New South Wales and I was like, yeah, I'll give it a go. I really enjoyed it. It's basically... Johan Hari, isn't it? Yeah. It's all about how we're exhausted and the switching and filtering and how our brains, imagine there's a bouncer at your brain and everyone's coming in and the bouncer used to let, like block and say, sorry, you yeah. can't come in. We're Fuck full. Yeah. And now we have no bouncer. The bouncer's like just being trampled. It yeah. was quite an interesting analogy. It's contributing to more people being diagnosed with ADHD. Talks about that. Does it? Yep, in great detail. In fact, talks about how then... We're so used to 
helping our kids play as adults. It talks about how adults always come in and do organised activities and intervene all the time and make all the rules when really what we should be doing is letting our kids play, um, letting them understand that when they're playing and they're free, they're able to move through any challenges and kids that are bossy or kids that keep falling over or younger kids, older kids, the desire to climb higher and be pushed on by other people or different Mm. kinds of problems you might have when you're playing pirates or whatever it might be in trees or tip out the front of your house or whatever. We don't do that anymore. And so then that inability to play and spend time off screens and overcome those kind of challenges has made our children more anxious talks about that quite a lot and how like our brains can't concentrate for very long there's some interesting stats here it says it says um a sample of 26,000 Americans found that between 2004 and 2007, the proportion of men reading for pleasure had fallen by 40% mm. and for women, 29. That's quite a lot. The average American spends 17 minutes a day reading books and 5.4 hours on their phone. <gasps> And have you changed any of your behaviours since reading it? I did. And then there's quite a lot about that in the book that what people, and I mean, look, people on on listening to our podcast would understand there's a problem with the ability to um, engage with sustained reading, that we can't do sustained reading for a long period of time because we're so used to consuming for 30 seconds, a minute, two minutes. Wow. That it's really hard for our kids because they're constantly on the go with short snippets like um, of information. They find it really hard to sit and read for an hour. Wow. Isn't but it makes terrible? sense, doesn't it? I know, terrifying. So the book actually, he goes through, interviews all these people from Silicon Valley and so on and says in the end um, – the, these big phone companies say it's up to us mm. to police our do. yeah and he says how wrong that is it should be over to them to help us be freed but it's really up to us so then he says like what's the answer I don't really have an answer but there are things you can do to try and get on top of the way that you're consuming so yeah you've got to be really all those basic things your... that we all know like time limits and screen time settings and yeah yeah no phones in the bedroom and so on but yes I have tried to do a lot of that and I guess I'm more aware and aware of my kids consumption yeah because when I heard him being interviewed he talked about I think it was like 20 minutes you focus on a task and then if, you're, if your phone beeps, you go in, into your phone and then it takes you 20 minutes to be able to get back into the task that yeah. you're doing. Yeah. And so that uninterrupted, I try to do it when I'm working, just don't have any distractions. I even put headphones on with no noise and just concentrate on yeah. getting the job doing done. Doing the task. It's, um, it's amazing how many, especially when I'm in the office, how many distractions there are and like yeah. general conversations and how long it takes me to get my work done yeah um it's amazing office, isn't it and then even talked about um like the did he say this in this book I can't remember but like your emails when they found yeah. they could ping the email or yeah. like a light would go on to be your email yeah and you're like oh I better check my email yeah so now people are checking their email like the average person is 100 times a day or something yeah but that well, never needed constant. to happen Yes. But they need your eyeballs as much as possible. On your email. And then reply then you I always reply yeah. to my emails, but you're not getting any work done. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, I wanted to ask you this year, I'm in a bit of a mess about my 
diary because I just don't want to be on my computer on Google mm. Calendar or whatever. What do you use to keep track? So I've track? always had a paper-based diary until this year. Oh, are you so, happy you moved? Um, but I have like a million notebooks. Yeah, but how do you keep that together? Okay, so what I do is I have a condensed monthly calendar on the fridge that I add everything into the calendar that is in my phone. So oh. everyone in the family can see it. It's like a little magnet yeah, thing. Yeah. And then I try to refer to that. And right. then I, yeah, but I've got to so do it So if I said to you now that like, oh, are you free for dinner tomorrow night? How would you I'd know? Like, <laughs> I have to go check the calendar on my fridge. <laughs> You'd be like, no, because you even if me, I though. was, I will be in a small little ball in the corner yeah, of the room. In my bed. Do you know what I do? This is my problem. I yeah. say, I'll get back to you. Yeah, never, never get back do. to you yeah. because I forget by the time I get yeah. home. There is no. I'm thinking of going, see, I'm thinking of doing it. I was on my phone and I hate being on my phone. So I'm now thinking of doing fully going paper back to based. paper. Yeah, I'll do that with you. The act of writing write down, down something as well is the way I remember. Yes, same. I'm so old school. There's in just my too memory. many things in my head. Things like, buy, I need to buy some batteries. Like, I'm never going to put that in my phone, mm. but I'm it's not going to remember. Fridge. So when I'm at, at Woolies, yeah. I'm like, mm, yeah, what's see, yeah. And then I know people are organised. They have like notes and blah blah. blah. Anyway, I'm just finding I'm quite overwhelmed by the amount of things that I need to remember, and I know I'm going to forget something so much so that when the doorbell rings, sometimes I think, oh my god. Have I organised something and yeah. here they are. And I, I don't remember organising it. And then they're I like, know. oh, I've just got something to deliver. I'm at the <laughs> point in my comms where teachers call me to say, you have not oh, had a parent-teacher oh. interview. And I'm like, what? I there was one? I didn't know that. Where, how do I do that? <laughs> anyway, we're off track. Oh, that. Um, tell okay. me about this book. So my mum gave me this book, a cookbook yeah. called A Year of Simple Family Food. It's not new. I think it's been out for a oh, couple I of years. Oh, I love her. She's like the Italian-Japanese influencer. Yes. Yeah. It's amazing. So cool. her, I think her handle on Instagram is Julia Ostro. Okay, I think yes. that was the name of one of her books as well. But Julia Nishimara. Nishimura Um, but the thing I love about this book is there's amazing family recipes and it's in seasons yeah like you can't get anything better than that this was her original amazing book wasn't it maybe it is yeah this is what she became quite famous like I think she was big on social media and then I think that was where she took off maybe yeah I'm not up to her neither am I but what do you cook so I have been to anyone's house that ever invites me I which honestly (laughs) I haven't cooked it for you so um you haven't invited me but slow roasted tomatoes with mozzarella yeah I know I'm just gonna turn up anyway I'm just gonna turn up and say um we had dinner (laughs) I'd believe you here's my here's my salad so you Roast the tomatoes for an hour and a half with like olive oil and then you make this paste with um, uh, blanched almonds and mint leaves and garlic clove and like you just whiz that up and then after an hour, hour and a half you get the tomatoes out, put this pesto with it with fresh mozzarella, buffalo mozzarella. Oh, it is so good. And the tomatoes are so rich and delicious. Oh, it's so good. Yum. It's my favourite salad. Can I see it? Picture? Yeah. Oh, yeah, delicious. Yeah. Um, I've also cooked the poached chicken vermicelli noodle salad. Oh, yum. It's so yummy. Beautiful. And I've made the pear ricotta and pine nut cake. 
that was out of season. But you I do ate love it a cake. Anyway. I like a ricotta cake. They're nice and dense. Yeah, and this one has the pine nuts on top. Oh, yum! Yeah, I love like a pistachio or one an that's almond. not like a sponge. Yeah. I don't love a sponge yeah, cake. Neither. I like a dense yeah. cake with fruit in it. Yeah, which is controversial according to some people. I like a fruity cake. Same. I like a carrot cake. Yes, same. Yeah, yum. I love a carrot cake. I've just read a really good recipe book that um, I'm going to cook Sorry, a few things from. Alyssa's pointing to Marie Kondo no, and I'm one. like, that is not a recipe that I will ever be reading. <laughs> so I read this book. Well, the, so Throw the other one was food. Yeah, forget the other one. This is funny, the Marie Kondo book. In fact, this is pretty much what we were just saying. Have you this heard about This obviously did not resonate with me, this book. No? What happened? So I, this is not verified but I heard a rumour mm. That Marie Kondo had a kid mm. and then it's come out and said, yeah, none of this works when you have kids. Oh. Like none of the whole. Yeah. Sparking joy. House, sparking joy. None of the, um, what is the minimalism? That yeah. doesn't work doesn't with kids. Doesn't work. I Good. was like. There's too much Lego. I told you. So I have just read this book that she has brought out that was sent to us. It's called Marie Kondo's Kurashi at home how to organize your space and achieve your ideal life it is good in the premise that it's for people like us who have busy hectic heads i needed to do i need to clean so there are some things that that are good about this it's encouraging you to clean the basic moral to this Mm, book is you have to tidy stuff up and there will be an end point what people say to her is but there's no end i'll just be tidying forever but you won't be it's like fucking washing yeah when does that end yeah do you know what Get everyone to just wear raincoats. <laughs> to bed? Everywhere. So really at the beginning of this book it says, if your home had a personality, what kind of person would it be? Hers would be dull. Yeah, dull. <laughs> a drip. You, I love it when you say drip. Uh, what would yours be? Uh, chaotic. <laughs> I'd love to meet your clean. home personality. But then I feel like the home is the steady ship. Impulsive. <laughs> um, you know, my, my favourite question in the morning, Mom, wear socks. I don't know. I reckon if your house them. was a person and having to hold all the people, like your people, my house, my house would just be drinking all day. Yeah. It would be an alcoholic. Mine would be rats have moved in. <laughs> There's fucking vermin in the cupboard. That's what we had this week. They had Nice. Yeah. Um, there's another chapter in here that's make your living room a space that fosters conversation. <sighs> Who's talking? I'm just yelling. The vase. <laughs> the vase is saying hi. And then she I'm says pretty. you have to have an evening ritual. Oh yeah. Do you have an? Do you have your phone in your bedroom? I do because I have my alarm. Yes, I am. But I, I try like to not get to get it um, What's your I, evening ritual? Mm, mm, mm. Wouldn't you like to mm, know? No. <laughs> like Charles and Camilla. <laughs> Gross. I'm never going to want to have sex ever again. Um, my evening ritual is Matt. Well, if Matt's home, we'll like watch a show together. Oh. And then I, well, he runs to bed. I have to put the dog out, which oh. takes a while because the dog outside. Yep. Oh, that's a big development. Yep. And then wow, every night. Every night. Oh, good. Yep. On a chain outside. Not last night. It was raining. Mm. Uh, all the night before because Matt wasn't oh, home. right, a hand But whenever Matt's home, the dog goes out and then I go up and read my book. Nice. And what are you reading at the moment? What are we talking about next oh pod? Oh, my gosh. I'm reading a fabulous book yeah. and I wrote it down because yeah. I was like, how am I going to remember this? All That's Left Unsaid. It's by an Australian uh, author called Tracy Lien oh. and it's based in Cabramatta. 
Um, And it's about a Vietnamese family and it's about stereotypes in Cabra Matter. Which would have changed over time. Well, her brother is murdered Mm. and basically there's no investigation. She's just got a job as a journalist and there's – so she's investigating it. That's the premise of it. And there's no investigations like he's dealing drugs, he's dead. So non-fiction. That's it. She quite young. Who's no, no, it's fiction. Oh, it's fiction. Yeah, it's fiction. Oh, I thought you were saying this is a true story. No. Oh, right, no, right, right. I know it's not yeah, true. Yeah, right. It's fantastic. Oh, I can't wow, put it down. Great. In fact, I was like, oh, I really want to keep reading it. It's really oh. good, and I'll be done like in a day. Oh, great. Okay. Yeah. Let's talk about it next week. Yeah. Cook some food next from month. it. Next month. Yeah. Don't no, get uh, people month. excited. Sorry. Yeah. We're not going to be here next Just, week. Yeah to find something else to listen to. What about you? What are you reading? I'm about to read Exiles, Jane Harper's oh, new book. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I got that. that. I've just heard – so yeah, and I'd seen it on so many bestseller lists and I've loved yeah. the other Jane Harper's. In fact, we went and saw her at the Sydney Writers' Festival. Yeah. It must have been about five years now, well, five years yeah. ago. Yeah, it was yeah. you in our relationship. I remember we were sitting next to each other and you said, are you going to be embarrassed if I get up and ask oh, a question? Yeah, yeah, I and before I'd even, like, acknowledge the fact you'd spoken to me, you were up waving. yeah. yeah. Waving, got got a mic handed to you. Yep. You're happy. You got asked a really good question to too. You asked about what's her routine as yeah. a writer, which fact, I'm like, that is some, really interesting. Yeah. In fact, I thought that was interesting. She writes, I'm going to save it for the next time we speak. Oh, don't do that. Yeah, Everyone yeah. wants to know. No, you're going to have to wait. I can't remember. Um, and... And I'm also going to read a book for the next one called Tomorrow and Tomorrow and Tomorrow. Oh, which when are you going to read recommended it? Tomorrow? To me. Yeah, Tomorrow Never Comes. <laughs> Did you know that? Did your parents ever say that? You're going to do that tomorrow? Tomorrow Never Comes. Oh, yeah. Um, which I can't wait to read too because I've been seeing it everywhere. Yeah. And I've it's seen that not my normal cover. What about that Richard Osman, that murder book that I keep seeing everywhere? Oh. about the, Is he an know. Australian author? I don't know. I keep seeing yeah. that on the cool bestseller list. I'm like, yeah, it's a good story. <laughs> um, I also am going to read reread Option B by Sheryl Sandberg. Have what? you read that book? Never. It's awesome. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's one you keep on the bookshelf. I'll do it next next month. Oh, awesome. It's a good book. Yeah, yeah. So okay, we'll guys. rehash. Oh, I'm being wrapped up. Yeah. Okay, goodbye. Okay, bye. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>